This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. So welcome to our series of uh, audio casts uh, called uh, We've Got a Little Something to Say on That. This one's going to look at the question, um, is life too short to make balance sheets balance? Um, my name's Jeff Robinson. Um, I run uh, Fundamental Analytics and the Research Academy here at UBS. Um, I tend to do quite a few of these audio casts. Let me just talk you through what the point of these uh, casts are. Um, we get loads of incoming from clients, analysts, um, attendees of the Research Academy in terms of questions. Um, very rarely is there a bad question, but there are some that are obviously better than others, and some of them do inspire a bit of debate, and it's a shame to kind of answer these questions in isolation, and they go back to one person, and it's not really shared with a wider audience. So what we intended to do with this series of audio casts was to put them together to answer the questions that we think, you know what, that's an interesting one, and maybe the answer isn't completely obvious and we'd make it part of the research academy platform and publish it on that basis and i mentioned the research academy and for those you're not aware this is a an educational platform that has been launched through ubs uh, equity research and we run a series of programs both kind of in class online on demand as well as distributing our content through interactive books um we're really trying to kind of fuse our educational and analytical backgrounds together into this unique product. Um, most of us have had periods of time in education, whether it is academia or kind of post-academic uh, qualifications and education as people have come into banks. And we've become analysts as well. So we, we get a chance to understand the kind of pedagogical side of the issues that we're addressing as well as the day-to-day market size side as well so you are going to hear and see from number one ranked and top ranked analysts on the platform on these programs and what we're really doing is just trying to sum up what we use as our tagline and i think it's really kind of true is um tap into our resources really to kind of make the most of yours uh, to find out more um just pop onto the uh, onto the web go to ubs.com forward slash research academy and you will see um a lot of information there that'll help you kind of make that decision of what you do next so anyway into into this question um so is a so and i guess it's a funny question i mean so balance sheets and you know the question of whether life is too short to make them balance um that's actually kind of a real question it's slightly paraphrased um that i had from a from a um Let's, let, let's call uh, somebody that we interacted with previously. And it wasn't really a question as so much. It was more a statement that came out of this person's um, mouth. And I could see where um, why they were saying it. And to be honest, it's not an isolated question. I get it an awful lot that, you know, balance sheets are a bit of a pain. Why do we spend so much time doing it? My investors don't really you know, have that much interest in them. And uh, and they don't really matter. It's, you know, the balance sheets are residual. The numbers are so out of date, it really ceases to be any use to me. Now, of course, you probably know where I'm going to ultimately going with the argument here. I did want to play a bit of devil's advocate here for a bit. And let me just start off with, I kind of hear you. Um, when some of you say you're not really that fussed about the balance sheet, I hear that as well. But that doesn't necessarily mean 
that I agree that you can just dismiss it and not pay attention to it. But the balance sheet does have its flaws, it does have its problems, and you will see the argument kind of evolve over time. Now, I do agree that Alice investors, um, not all of them have an interest in the balance sheet. Yet earnings, momentum, multiples are vitally important. I, I, I totally get that. And yes, the numbers are dated and they can be confusing. We've got historic cost accounting, which you know could put onto the balance sheet an asset that's 80 odd years old. And then it's not revalued at all, depending on the gap and the tax regime you're operating under. Now, all of that old stuff is mixed in with fair value accounting. So we can get some very current values on the balance sheet mixed in with some really old values. And then you add a splash of depreciation and other accounting policies to these numbers. And then you can cloud them under a veil of accounting. And, you know, the other thing I would say is, yes, the, the balance sheet can be blind in a number of areas. I mean, intangibles are immediately an issue that spring to my mind in the sense that you could be a company that goes out and does a spurt of M&A. You buy a company that has a load of brands. Those brands crystallize immediately onto your balance sheet and you have a load of brand assets on there. Now, place that against a company that internally generated their brands, organically grew. None of that investment generally ends up on the balance sheet. It kind of gets written off to the income statement over time. So it's that argument of M&A versus internally generated intangibles. That tends to be missed by the balance sheet. Not all cash is called cash. You know, Apple for years, they talked about Apple having $300 billion worth of cash on the balance sheet. But you went to the balance sheet and you didn't see $300 billion of cash in the cash line it was kind of held elsewhere long-term and short-term marketable security so you've got to have a little bit of savviness when you look at the balance sheet to know okay people call it cash but it's not really cash it's actually held where elsewhere what does this balance mean where does this balance come from you know making sure you know where all the debt is yeah the issued bonds are going to be on balance sheet but there are other debt-like obligations i mean for years we had to deal with off balance sheet operating leases and our assessment of debt now that has changed a little bit for the better in the sense that they're all capitalized now so you've got to have a fairly in-depth knowledge of which numbers aren't great on the balance sheet and which numbers need extra work but that doesn't mean i completely dismiss what those issues actually are so why do we even bother with this balance sheet now i firmly believe you need this statement um, I'm not saying it's a perfect set of numbers, but I'd rather not live without it. Now, I know that you know it's a snapshot right, of the assets and liabilities that are controlled by the entity that holds that balance sheet. And it's also related to ownership. I mean, that's what the equity part of the balance sheet says is that, listen, we control all these assets and liabilities, and these are the shareholder groups that own them. It's the parent company, possibly even minority or non-controlling interests. But it is the primary statement. I want you to kind of think about that for a second. People talk about three primary statements, income statement, cash flow, balance sheet. In my mind, it's just the balance sheet, right? The income statement just explains most of the core movement and retained earnings. It's explaining part of the balance sheet. Likewise, the cash flow statement really provides a more detailed story just of a balance sheet line called cash and cash equivalents. Um, the balance sheet is the cornerstone of everything you have in the financial. But again, that's not the reason that I get so excited about making sure that we have one. Um, 
first question I'm going to ask, and this is going to lead us to kind of my, my argument of why the balance sheet is so crucial, is um, ask yourself the question, why does it balance? Why does a balance sheet actually balance? And this is going to form the basis of my argument of why you really need it. Now, the balance sheet balances simply because every transaction has to have a couple of entries. Right? There is a dual effect to each and every transaction. We probably have to thank Luca Pacioli as the father of accounting and bookkeeping. This chap is an Italian mathematician from the kind of da Vinci period. Um, sometimes argued to be Croatian. I suppose it's that northern part of Italy kind of blurring at that stage in history. Um, and, and the guy really just formalized the, the, the bookkeeping of operations and he's got an awful lot to answer. I can think of three fairly tough years of my life, my early 20s, trying to get their grips with double entry bookkeeping and debits and credit. But the statement is every transaction leads to an increase or decrease on the numbers or in the numbers that are on the financial statements. Now, you can talk about these being debits and credits if you're more inclined on the accounting. But that's why a balance sheet balances is because of this dual effect. You've got this balance between the two entries. Now, if we look at all the potential transactions a company can engage in that needs to fit into this system, it literally could be millions. But quite frankly, we can really collect them into a small number of groups. If you think what a business model actually does, it does four things. Just count them on your fingers. Um, they raise capital. Yeah, They allocate and reallocate that capital within their business model. And that allocation hopefully generates a return on that capital. And then that return on that capital, that is distributed back to the providers of the capital. So they raise, they allocate, they generate return, and they distribute. Now, that is all a company is. It's just an investment vehicle. Now, think about where all of this activity takes place within the financial statements. The raising of capital takes place on the balance sheet. The allocation of that capital is just moving numbers around a balance sheet. Now, the use of that capital and the generation of return, well, that's when the financial statements start to kick in and work together because the generation of return appears in the income statements and the cash flow statements as a result of using the balance sheet. All right, The distribution of capital are allocations out of cash flow and income statement that then have a knock-on effect to the balance sheet. So you've got a complete integration of financials here. And yet, investors quite often may just be focused on what the returns are, but that cannot be at the expense of raising allocation and distribution. So these activities are all interrelated. They take place within different financial statements. So really, here's the pitch. If you don't really care for the balance sheet, you're making a couple of major statements, I think. Firstly, you'd be saying to me that you don't really have a view about returns, right? You need a balance sheet to start the assessment of invested capital and capital allocation. And if you don't really have a view on returns, you can't really give me an expression of your view on value creation or destruction because you have no context of what your earnings, earnings, momentum and multiples are saying. So the balance sheet's giving you really a lot of context there. Now, don't get me wrong. I just know it's a starting position. Yeah, I know it's not the best starting position, but it is the ground zero for the assessment of your returns. It's also where we assess and start our assessment of credit 
liquidity and cash burn rates. You're going to have to do work on the balance sheet to get into a position where you have a better representation of the company's or the business model's invested capital. There's a fair bit of accounting to unwind. OPEX numbers that really are CAPEX. Off balance sheet items we want to maybe reassess and bring into the analysis. Differing views on asset valuation and liabilities. Now, going back to the initial question, is life too short to make a balance sheet balance? Um, that's a funny way to ask the question, quite frankly. I would say you need a balance sheet. It gives you context. It allows you to think about return. If you are spending an awful long time in your modeling or your forecasting, trying to get a balance sheet to balance, quite frankly, that's a lack of technique. That's a lack of methodology and structure. And that's what we're going to talk about in a follow-up audio cast to this one. So join me in the next one. You're going to hear me talking about how you really address the modeling sides of getting a balance sheet to balance and how that needn't be difficult. In fact, it should be really, really easy. Um, my name is Jeff Robinson. Again, uh, I run Fundamental Analytics at UBS as well as the, uh, the Research Academy. Um, you can always contact us at researchacademy at UBS.com if you have any queries. And obviously, you've got the website as well at UBS.com forward slash Research Academy. We'd love to hear from you. And um, look out for more of these uh, audio casts. We're going to do quite a lot of them as long as we've got the questions coming in. All right, speak to you soon. Cheers. This content has been prepared by UBS AG, its subsidiaries, and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content. It has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regulatory, or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2020. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.